Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast in which I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest, as I've been saying for the last several episodes. I think the the reboot or the reignition of the podcast is now officially complete because I think I've posted several episodes in a row. You never know when you might stop, but uh, I'm on a roll, people. Uh, and I have I continue my trend of inviting past guests back and i am joined by yet another uh mr guy english guy thank you for joining me i'm i'm always thrilled to be here i actually had to cut off how filled i was just before the show so that i could save it for this <laughs> uh it's true also you know what when you're launching you want like a good old reliable fuel sauce source right that's, that's like, true yeah yeah you want to burn through people like molts dan warren <laughs> You want to get them. You want to get them out of the field. Exactly. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta. I, I was gonna try and do some kind of fuel mixture uh, 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 metaphor, but uh, then I would very quickly show my complete and total ignorance about all things mechanical and chemical. So I decided to stop. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now you're dealing with the high grade stuff. That's I'm right. Back. I, I've burnt off the <laughs> bad stuff, and now pure. Adrenaline, high octane <laughs> fuel. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, me neither. Okay. Before Cheers. we continue this this uh, meandering uh, guy, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name's Guy English. I type for a living uh, into a computer, <laughs> which is, I think, basically everybody's job these days. Uh, I've been on this show before. I don't know how many times. A Ooh, few, right? A few like four times, or five, yes. yeah. Uh, Dan Morin, who's been a guest recently. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, John Maltz, who's also been a guest recently, and myself. Uh, we do a show about superhero stuff, mostly TV shows, <laughs> movies, and things, mm -hmm. uh, uh, called Biff on, uh, on the Incomparable Network. We just finished uh, doing WandaVision, ah. which is legitimately a good show. Uh, yes. Some of the shows we cover are not good shows. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're fun. And we have fun, but they're not good shows. Like Arrow, we did that for years. It's not a good show. No. Um, it's a very CW sort of formulaic show. Uh, WandaVision, I, I encourage people who like Star Trek to watch WandaVision. I, I really, really do. And if you can't bring yourself to do that, Watch Watchmen, which we haven't oh. covered because it's beyond our pay grade. It is, it's smart, and we like to be dumb, and <laughs> it is not. It's not a thing that is easily, you know, riffed on or, mm -hmm. or joked about. It's it's just a really legitimately good show. Well, I was about to segue into things that are often kind of unexpected into <gasps> this this like episode Deep space nine the episode that <laughs> yeah. we're supposed to talk about yeah, which yeah. is uh battle lines episode 13 from season one of deep space nine deep space nine uh wildly widely not wildly widely heralded on this very podcast as dollar for dollar your best star trek series um yeah. this episode pound for, pound, pound for pound if i had to put them on my back i would carry ds9 mm -hmm. further i think uh I'm coming around to other notions, but I really do Ooh. think that DS9 had the most complex storytelling and sort of the, the, the most intricate arcs and the, sort of the best production quality, which is not evident 
<laughs> yes, if you are Here. listening to this podcast and saying, you know what, I just want to I wanna get into Star Trek and this is the most recent episode of Random Trek and for some reason this is how I will plot my uh, entrance into Star Trek so I will watch Battle Lines and then listen to this podcast. And then you think, I never want to watch Deep Space Nine again because this episode is not very good. Uh, don't judge Deep Space Nine by this episode, <laughs> Battle Lines. It's not awful, but it's... Um, it's weird. It's more, much more, and Guy, you let me know if you agree with me. It feels much like an original series script was dusted off and then thrown yes. into Deep Space Nine. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh, like a season three original <laughs> series, which, which for <laughs> there's a bunch of Star Trek nerds out there laughing, but like this, it's a weak one. It ain't great. You know, mm, it's yeah. not season one original series. Where you got, uh, you know, Moltz landed an awesome episode. Really? And good. he did a good job. Yeah. Ultimate Computer. Uh, yeah, Ultimate Computer is like hard to beat. Like, that's a, you know, uh, top five, top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not that. <laughs> this is- <laughs> yes, this is the Battle Lines is maybe an episode of Deep Space Nine that most Deep Space Nine nerds have forgotten about because, uh, well, I guess it is important in that. Uh, Kai Opaka, who is, um, you know, a, a religious leader in in the first season of Deep Space Nine, uh, ends up stuck on this planet, and we never see her again, except through some some visions and some other episodes. Uh, but they never go back. They never. And this is, you know, kind of one of the the strengths and weaknesses of Star Trek is its episodic nature. Uh, this planet that all of this stuff happens on isn't very far from the wormhole, and yet they never go back to check on Kaiopaka. Seems a little weird to me, but whatever. Yeah, we'll get to that after. I mean, I, I feel like it had dropped off a radio. Like we 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 discover that she can't leave the planet, but I mean, you think they the could pope, work on it? The, the Pope's in Italy. We can still hear from the Pope. You know, like it's not. Although technically the Pope is allowed to leave the Vatican City. Yeah, but it's not like when he comes to your city. (laughs) Who cares? Whatever. Let's just get on with the show. Oh, man. The Pope came to Philadelphia and it was pandemonium. Popemonium, as they they say. People people loved it. Uh, When was that? That was 10 years ago? Several years ago. I don't even want to look at when it was because that that makes me feel old. But I will tell you, this is a little new new, uh, segment of Random Trek called Pope Talk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) People are dying for that. Everybody that tunes into the Star Trek show wants to know more about what the Pope is up to. That's right. Well, this is is more Pope adjacent or or, or (laughs) Pope resultant, I think, because the Pope is going to come to Philadelphia. Uh, And in fact, he did. Spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) Along with lots of hundreds of thousands of very excited Roman Catholics uh, descended upon the city. And in the lead up to this, you know, security is important. The Pope's a big deal. There are lots of people. Uh, so they started to like shut down the city in quadrants and put up like fences. And I live yeah. in the middle of Center City, which is downtown Philadelphia. Yeah. And yeah. you're close to Gruber, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and we like our neighborhood was on lockdown. We were like, we can't leave a five block radius. Uh, and so we said, you know what, for this, this Pope weekend, we are evacuating, uh, Philadelphia and we will go off to, uh, we went to Rehoboth beach in Delaware. It was lovely. Uh, and then we came back, uh, and it turns out that everyone 
in Philadelphia had the same idea we did. So it was complete ghost town. <laughs> and the, the pilgrims, uh, the Roman Catholics, who all the local businesses were hoping would be, you know, thronging the streets of downtown Philadelphia, uh, just stayed wherever they were staying in like the suburbs or something. And, uh, so it was a complete ghost town and, uh, like restaurants, very fancy, Fine dining restaurants were trying, like, literally trying to give people food uh, because they they had expected this huge crowds and uh, nobody was. Wow, yes. I didn't know that at all. That is fascinating. And that, uh, now we close not, that nothing chapter. Nothing to do with Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> then we end but, that segment. Pope but this is segment. why I love talking to you. I would talk to you like that's. We've got like a three-hour conversation just there. But okay, yeah, let's move on. Let's get the job done. But that's one of the things I like about Deep Space Nine, as I Same. hook it around here, is the the religion religious component. Because I was, I grew I up do. Roman Catholic. Uh, me too. And so I didn't know that about you. Yeah, me too. True. Uh, so did so did Gruber actually. Yeah, no, we're all. It's it's weird. Uh, it's not weird, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I I was Catholic in England, which is guess what? Oh. Uh, a minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I know that to be true in the States, you know, when JFK was elected, mm-hmm. that was a, a weird thing. Like, is he going to answer to the Pope? Mm-hmm. The answer no. is no. Uh, maybe Marilyn, but beyond that, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it is the dominant religion by like a wide margin. And yet uh, I, in at least the countries that I've sort of lived in, uh, it's a minority. And I think in some ways the Bajorans are finding themselves transplanted into a broader, I guess, atheist? Uh, is is Starfleet, like, is the Federation atheist? Or are they uh, ambiguous about it? Uh, it's I, really I feel hard like to tell. Their, like they, their humanist rationalism is, sure. is what, what they are all about. Because they don't, they yeah. respect people's religion. But, you know, and that's the interesting thing with Cisco is like he is a religious figure to the Bajorans and he has these visions. But there's that tension between, you know, the prophets and the the wormhole aliens. Like, which are they? Are they gods? Are they aliens? Is there a scientific explanation for all of this? Uh, and, and I think it's very satisfying to watch in Deep Space Nine them kind of tread lightly and, and you know, deal with these these matters. Same. And I actually really admire that about this show. And subsequently, uh, uh, Battlestar, which uh, Ron Moore went on to, to do after this. Uh, I'm I'm not actually religious, despite <laughs> telling you my, my background. That's a cultural what? background. Like, not, not uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, not, I am, not, I am an atheist a, now, to, right. to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and so I get it. I, I really understand these characters. I, but I also see the other side of it, like the, the Kieran Reese kind of side of it, or, you know, uh, certainly a reference for the Kai. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as somebody who's not religious, uh, do not do not attack the Pope. <laughs> like that's not or any or any religious figure. I, I don't mm-hmm. care. Like, don't don't do it. It's not. Uh, well, OK. Honestly, anybody, but also uh, <laughs> they're a symbol of uh, love and trust, and you know so many people's faith that their life is not theirs in a way, which is unfair to them, as we discover. But it is something to be entrusted to to the people, and something to 
to cherish, right? Mm-hmm. I I agree, and that's what. It, so why don't we hop into this episode and talk? Because yeah. we we've spent a lot of time setting it up, uh, and and really the episode is pretty straightforward. So. Yeah, I know that's why. <laughs> so maybe it's good that we had Pope talk in this episode because yeah. we, I had we a made great burger the other day. You know, <laughs> you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, the yeah the episode's pretty straightforward. Go for it. It, man. it is pretty straightforward, but it all hinges around Kai Opaka um, coming leaving Be- Bejor for the first time to. Uh, ostensibly take Cisco up on his offer uh, to tour Deep Space Nine. And she is the the head religious figure of Bajor. And I don't really understand how Bajor works, but I feel like she also has some kind of governmental, political power as well, maybe unofficial. I, but I, I choose know. to see that as soft power. This comes up a lot during the series, right? Like mm-hmm. the religious figures have some kind of sway over how the, the planet goes the planet uh, uh political system works and i have had to reconcile it to just be like well do you want to go against the prophets because the kai is saying this or you mm, know a vedic wants that and i think it's a soft power system rather than like uh an actual i'm going to make a law to make this you know illegal i i think it's a you really don't want to do that because it's going to make me upset Yes, and I think that this episode, my favorite moments in this episode are Kai Opaka moments when she exhibits that soft power because she comes down to the station, she gets a tour, everyone's very impressed because she's never left Bajor and she's never really wanted to leave Bajor. Uh, and they're like, oh, let's, uh, you know, take you to look at the wormhole. Uh, and they go to where they might see the wormhole. Uh, if, oh no, sadly, nothing is scheduled to go through the wormhole. So, you know, Bejor and Pope, we cannot show you the wormhole. Uh, and she kind of looks at Cisco and she doesn't say anything, but you can tell she would like to see the wormhole. And it uh, feels like they could have sent a shuttlecraft <laughs> through the, like anything, right? Yes. Uh, and Cisco quickly picks up on them. He's like, oh, all right, well, we have a bunch of roundabouts and I'm in charge, so we can go through the wormhole. Why don't we do that? And so they do that. And she uh, uh, goes through the wormhole. And she also, I skip over one, I don't know how important, but they're, they're, you know, setting up that she's kind of a mystical person. And um, she has this brief encounter with O'Brien, who yeah. uh, is is readying the the Yang Zi to to go off into the wormhole. And he's like, "Okay, everything's fine." And Kai Opaka says, "You have a daughter, don't you?" And he says, "Uh, yes, I do. I don't know how you know that." He doesn't say that. He's thinking that because uh, well, because she- Worf is like just telling everybody, "I I delivered that daughter uh, <laughs> in ten forward." <laughs> That's right. And so she gives him uh, one of the necklaces she's wearing and says, give this to your daughter. And uh, and that's a little touch that doesn't amount to anything other than to, to show us that Kai Opaka is, you know, knows things beyond what she should know, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, so, so Brian, salt of the earth kind of guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, not religious per se, but a real... Uh, you know, if anybody was tilling a field, it would be O'Brien, right? <laughs> it's true, and, and and he's 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 kind of mystified and bemused by this whole exchange. But uh, you can imagine he takes that necklace and does, in fact, give it to Molly. So, because um, why wouldn't he? But off they go into their grand adventure to the Gamma Quadrant to, uh, you know, see stuff, I guess. And so they go through the wormhole. Kaiopaka quite impressed. Um, and oh, Julian Bashir also tags along. Uh, and this is, you know, 
Julian Bashir. Uh, Season one, Julian Bashir. Yes. <laughs> he's the worst. It's not great. <laughs> no. no. Uh, and so he, he yeah. basically weasels his way in by saying, oh, uh, it's a light day. Uh, and Cisco is basically like, I didn't want to. I don't really want you to come, but okay, come, come along. Yeah, yeah. Alexander Siddick is great. I oh, really, like, I really, really like that guy. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know, but whatever. His performances are good. Uh, season one, Bashir, is a textbook in not what to do when you're trying to be nice to anybody like this it is completely self-absorbed every single interaction he has is 100 self-absorbed mm-hmm. like his whole thing is like okay why are we on oh i wanted to come to this uh space station to do frontier medicine it's like uh great glad you think this is fun we still have <laughs> hurt people could you take care of them like don't this is exciting <laughs> Yeah, it's not exciting. Just do your job. Anyway. Uh, Yes. And so I guess Cisco's plan is we'll go through the wormhole and then we'll go back quickly just to show you, you know, the Temple of the Prophets, the most important thing in your religion. Uh, You're basically seeing God. Important. Check. Let's go. Uh, And so they're in the Gamma Quadrant and Kaiopaka's like, you know, we could do something else uh, because I think they are insinuating that she's had some sort of vision or or something that tells her she needs to be in the gamma quadrant yeah i got that too yeah i think Uh, she'd had one of those prophet moments that cisco has (laughs) i hope that they call them prophet moments uh because i just i just like it's (laughs) it's a weird trip (laughs) (laughs) it's true Uh, there are orbs involved it's very complicated uh and then suddenly they pick up uh uh like a uh uh a data stream from some random moon that's what 3.2 light years away which by the way is not very far away no it's <laughs> it's like next door it's the first thing you see when you <laughs> pop out of the wormhole like how does the dominion not turn that place into glass i don't i don't know like not if this makes sense but we're asked not to remember any of this so that's right fine. this this Man. does not this episode does not matter <laughs> yeah uh, and so it turns out there's a moon that has a bunch of uh, satellites around it that you should never scan uh, because if you do, then you'll realize they're weapons and uh, they'll shoot your shuttlecraft. Um, and which, of course, they don't scan. They just show up and uh, they get knocked uh, out of the sky and crash land onto the planet. Everybody's fine except for Kaiopaka. Kaiopaka is dead. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And then this is when we find out this is not an uninhabited planet. Uh, well, I guess they scanned the planet and they knew that something was down there. Uh, but it is full of grumpy people who are... Grumpy people. <laughs> they, they don't seem very yeah, happy. A little bit, yeah, a little bit grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> who, who seem a little, you know, world-weary and uh, a scruffy in a very kind of TNG, um, you know, like... Uh, corporate park alien kind of way. Um, yeah, they're like a Tashiyar planet. Yes, this is people, like all on right. a soundstage. It does not look all that great. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Even if you if you extract the soundstaginess of it, uh, they've been fighting World War One or Two for infinity years like like a long time how long they've been down there but they've been down there for a while Uh, and i will say the leader of uh the group that they um 
end up with is uh, played by Jonathan Banks, who is a great actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, probably he's best known for those roles, maybe. Uh, or that role, same character. Um, and he does, you know, as well as you could hope for, I guess, in this Yeah, episode. he's not given a lot, but he, he gristles it up. Like exactly. If you've, if you've ever seen him, uh, Mike Trout, I think, on uh, on those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he brings that. Heart. Yes, he has that same that energy and that voice of his. Uh, really, he's good at playing very yeah. world weary, violent characters. Yeah, yeah. And that's what like I don't want to hurt you. I really don't want to hurt you. Are I'm you going to make me hurt you? I I hate I hate this part of the job. <laughs> I know my whole job is hurting people, but I don't <laughs> I don't like that part of that job. Yeah, so it turns out, oh no, this is not just a, a pleasure moon. No, no, it is a penal <laughs> colony uh, yeah. where these people have been sent for – well, I guess they, they've been exiled from their, their home planet because they are the troublemakers and there's been this generations-long war uh, and they can't stop fighting it. So the their civilization's um, way to end the fighting was basically, I guess, to take all the fightiest people and put them on – you know, exile them onto this moon and just leave them there <laughs> with a uh, twist. Yeah, I mean, that's how we get Australia. I don't know <laughs> if you've seen the insects down there. You that's don't want to mess with it. You know, it's horrible. You, you don't. Yeah. Um, and Vegemite. Forget it. And, uh, yeah. I, um, I'm a Mormite fan. Oh, Vegemite, not so much. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, fan. Fan's uh, maybe a little too broad. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> You 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 will eat it. That's, I'm just remembering my days on Seti Alpha Five, man. I I don't uh, know. <laughs> and so the twist that becomes apparent uh, right. when uh, Kaiopaka rejoins everyone in the cave after being declared dead is that this planet you can't die on this planet. Uh, well, that's not true. You can die, but then you are resurrected. Um, uh, I guess this could be another. Uh, portion of pope talk but uh yeah. they are there are um, like microbes or something that resurrect you and um you can go on to battle so what's happening here is that these two factions have been locked in battle for it is once again insinuated a very long time uh because uh, uh jonathan banks's character talks about how they've gone through you know all different kinds of um strategies and and ways of killing each other and uh i also really like kira is basically like you guys suck at this you don't have centuries you don't have you know you let me help your your combat tactics (laughs) kira is one of my favorite like uh, between kira and ensign mo i i know i'm ultimately gonna marry a bajoran (laughs) uh it's just have a you. badass weird assessment of like, look, you're bad at this. Why don't you kill them better? It's like, that's not, that's not what we do as Starfleet. And that's not working anyway. So it's weird that you kind of want to keep doing that. But, you know, well, she's be you. She's like, you know, if you're going to do a job, do it right. And right. they are yeah. not doing it right. Uh, and this, she's also reeling from the fact that uh, Gold Ducat called her a minor uh, player in the the resistance, and so she wants to prove that uh, she wasn't a minor player. Uh, was that she, previous to this? Uh, yeah, that was the teaser in this episode. Uh, oh yeah, where yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They unlock yeah. his files yeah, yeah, and yeah. find out yeah. that he, his annotation of her was minor uh, player in the resistance. It's Kira mm-hmm. Norris. <laughs> 
Oh, you know, well, Godlicott is, uh, he negs people. That's what he does. He uh, really does. But she's mm-hmm. going to chomp through your security guards like she was eating crackers. Like, she's... <laughs> she, she's a tough cookie. Uh, yeah, And she bit. would probably uh, punch me for calling her a tough cookie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get my neck snapped. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> Worth it. And so Kyle Pak is watching this and is kind of like, maybe, maybe Kira, maybe you have some, uh, unresolved issues that we should work through. Um, and Kira's like, you were dead and just arose again. So maybe we should work through that. <laughs> uh, and they're like, eh, that's fine. Yeah. And so Cisco is says, you know, this is dumb. This is like a, the grand tradition of Starfleet officers showing up at a place and saying, this is dumb. Why are you doing this? It's a very uh, captain move. Like, yes. okay, this, I know we're here for cultural reasons, but I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> this this is just dumb. cannot stand. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, sometimes uh, I think, hmm, that's a little kind of, you know, uh, colonizer-y. Uh, in this yeah. case, he's right, because they've been locked in battle for, for yeah. who knows how long. He's and it is totally dumb. right. They're not, yeah. they're not solving anything. And he basically says, listen, if you don't kill us and let us get off this planet, uh, we'll take everybody who's on this planet with us and we'll put you on different planets. So you don't even have to see each other. But all yeah. you have to do is agree to not kill each other while we're here. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll fix this situation through <laughs> logistics, which is the most functionary thing to do. Like, oh, oh, this planet's the problem? No problem. We can change that. We have other planets. Yeah. It's not a big deal. <laughs> there, there are so many planets in the galaxy. Don't uh, worry. I love it. It's like, uh, I'm good at operational stuff. Sure. <laughs> and and this is, oh, and so uh, Julian Bashir earns his keep because he wants to, uh, you know, he's he's getting some weird scans from people and he doesn't know what's up. The computer's damaged. So he 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 uh, convinces Cisco to let him go back to the, the shuttle uh, or the the runabout. Don't send me letters. I know it's a runabout. Uh, <laughs> and fix the computer so that he can, you know, offload the processing from his tricorder to the computer uh, because the computer has, you know, more, I don't know, more RAM or something. And yeah. uh, <laughs> More long- RAM. That's uh, definitely I, it. I assume. Yeah, I don't nailed know. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we find out, well, he finds out, and then he tells us that, uh, yes, there are, what, something like microbes or something. There's something on this planet. There's that, something endemic to the uh, ecosystem, effectively, that yes. keeps resurrecting these people. And Microbes. That's the word uh, I was looking for. Microbes, yeah. And if they are removed, mm. those microbes will perish and they won't be replenished and dead people will be dead. Yes. It, it, it is... Effectively, a zombie plague on a planet mm-hmm. that preserves your mind. Yes, so you don't it's, you don't crave human flesh or uh, your species flesh. Uh, you're you're right. completely fine, except for you're trapped on this planet now and you can't. Right. No, it, it just it, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's it's impossible to you know sort of figure out <laughs> a motive for <laughs> such such a such a an entity mm. but uh it's not about eating brains no. it's about like you know okay well we can use this and we can help spread our ourselves right and that's effectively what's happened on that planet moving there from there they've got you know x amount of life uh 
you know, like a, like a half-life and they will die off. And then the people that are dead will be dead. Yes, which is everybody on this planet. It's not resurrection as in you are fine to just go about your life. It's resurrection as like, well, you're being reanimated by a bunch of microbes that are going to – it's – it's rough. Like yeah. it's the, not the great. Like this is not what you, you think alive. it is. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's not great. Although I I do I do question the civilization who comes up with a solution to their problem and how it is a tenable solution because you know you you exile these people. Uh, if if getting rid of these people is the solution, you don't need to torture them forever. <laughs> Just I'm not sure if that's part of the solution. Oh, I don't know. Is it clear you, that is well, they, it clear that they set them up to die like that or never die like that? Well, they so Bashir says they are artificial microbes, yeah. and so that leads me to yeah, believe okay. that they were, yeah, 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 they were meant to be used. Yeah, in I, this I retract that. Yeah, I, that's. Which is horrifying. that's a septi four. Yeah, that is horrifying. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not great. To exile people. Let let me be clear here. Well, no, uh, no, no. Obviously, but, exiling but people in need is not a it just not fix your own problems. Uh, exiling them to a world where they can never die and just harm each other constantly. That's worse. And that's not just worse. That's like a horror movie. <laughs> like this whole episode is a horror movie. Like and it's horrific. It, it yeah. is even worse because. So Kaiopaka now knows, okay, I can't leave. Uh, it is clear the two factions cannot even get through a meeting with Cisco without killing each other. Uh, and so, and Julian Bashir, you know, knocks Cisco down because he finds out, oh no, uh, if you die on this planet, you're going to be dead, dead. Uh, so we, none of us can die on this planet. Um, and so Kaiopaka says, you know, uh, I, I have found my life's work now is that I will help these people try to figure out what the heck they should be doing uh which is fairly straightforward they should just stop killing each other uh <laughs> but you know you just let said me help them let me help them find their way <laughs> maybe so, not murder how about that how about we start there i i i should have gone into the diplomatic corps here but uh <laughs> uh what but, is that like a maroon jacket where like what <laughs> what shirt color do they wear in the diplomatic corps I don't know. I think they wear like those uh, ambassadors in Star Trek uh, wear a lot of wild outfits. Yeah, like a lot of shiny stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to dress like Sarek. Exactly. A lot of robes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be my, good for my body type. Uh, a lot of There's a lot of tight-fitting costumes that I don't think w w are best for me. But I think robes Talk are good. Talk about your body type, man. You're, you're fit as a fiddle these days. Uh, I'm, you're, I'm fitter. You're looking great. I, I'm I'm like a a, a mediocre fiddle, <laughs> uh, but I still think robes uh, are flattering. But yeah, uh, you, yeah you can, and plus you sure. can hide stuff in there. So if you ever need to, you know, like yeah, uh, a phaser, like exactly, a very, a very diplomatic phaser. <laughs> well, it's ornate, it's beaded, <laughs> and I killed you. It's fine. I thought it was set on stun. Uh, <laughs> So my main problem with this episode, though, is that, uh, well, it, you know, the story is nonsensical, but that's okay. Uh, Cisco and crew are rescued by Dax and O'Brien. That's not my problem. Um, it is that they never, like, they know these people are there. They know that they are locked in eternal combat and that Kaiopaka is there, who can, she can also not die. And they never go back to try to help and, you know, maybe figure out 
you know, we're, we're Starfleet. Darn it. We can, we can solve anything. Right. We can figure out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I know, love that attitude. Something. I love the attitude. It's like, you know what? Have you been reading the logs from the Enterprise? Because <laughs> I think we can get this. We got this. And uh, no, they don't. No. They're just like, well, I guess you guys are going to just continue killing each other. Maybe Kaiopaka <laughs> will help you. Uh, but we got to go because there are like eight satellites around this planet and they seem to befuddle us. Yeah. So we're just going to pass this planet every time we go through the wormhole. <laughs> it's 3.7 light years away is a strong throw. Yeah, it's not good. Like, uh, I, I really believe there's something 3.7 light years away from Earth. Uh, we would have shot something at it a decade ago. <laughs> For sure. Like, not a bullet or anything harmful. Like, we were to put a satellite over there, for sure. A probe, just to charge. Probe, anything. Yeah, okay. Will we wait five years or eight years? Sure. Not a problem. Yeah, we can wait. Well, we're, wait. we're patient Let's people. See, I don't even want to figure out the math, but whatever. <laughs> it would be like 15 years. But yeah, we, we'll do it. Yeah, not a problem. That's going to happen in, in our lifetime? Sure. Uh, this episode, I think removes the utility of it is to remove Kaiopaka. Mm-hmm. So we get Kaiwin, the ascendancy of Kaiwin. The ascendancy of Kaiwin through machinations mm-hmm. uh, over the next of subsequent episodes. Uh which I think cements really sort of the basis of the show, the antagonistic notion that the uh Bajoran religious apparatus is um both Beholden to Cisco and opposed to him in some way. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Kaiopaka is she's so nice. <laughs> she's great. She's great. Well, she's she's so nice. She's like, I will die for you twice. Yes. Yeah, just keep dying until we figure this out. <laughs> yeah, I really do feel like they could have just given her a communicator. <laughs> like, there's no reason that she or- needs to be lost. Forever. Like, Come. she could still keep being the Kai. <laughs> hey, I'm the Kai on a planet where people never die. <laughs> like, she could be making her own rap lyrics at this point. Oh, right? she could be. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing. Like, for the entire rest of Deep Space Nine, she's alive on that planet. <laughs> Not very far yeah. away. And nobody ever mentions her again. Except once again, I know there are a couple episodes where she shows up in one of the the orb visions, but uh, it's not actually her, I don't think. Um, I So in that way, I sort of appreciate what they did here. Uh, Upon introduction to this world, uh, you know, in, in the first episode, we needed Cisco to be sort of immersed in a religious aspect of it. Uh, he was already rejecting the prophets. He was already rejecting Starfleet on account of, you know, Picard murdering thousands of people. Including <laughs> his wife. <laughs> yeah, not great. And that scene, that opening scene in, is killer. Uh, well, I mean, it's literally killer, but it, it, it is amazing. It, mm-hmm. It's really, really well done. Uh, and man, when when uh, Cisco stands out to Picard, Picard Great. Love that scene. So wonderful. Like, okay, this guy that you think is the best captain in lead ever, guess what? He screwed up. Killed a bunch of people. Not great. Not great. And so I suspect having set up 
the uh, religious oligarchy, like the, the structure, to be opposed to Cisco at the same time w- would have been a bit of a stretch, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. already too many things against him. Like, at that point, you're mad at Starfleet, you're mad at everything, and these people don't want you to be the prophet. You don't want anything. Um, but Opaka did sort of uh, serve as that bridge. And I think subsequently the series and the story was better served by uh, introducing that adversity into his life. He no longer fought with Starfleet. I don't even know if he did in the first episode, but he was certainly not happy with Jean-Luc. <laughs> he does not like Jean-Luc. Yeah, but, uh, well, he also wanted to quit, right? So he gave that up. And I think that they in this episode, they transitioned uh, that sort of uh, conflict with structure to the sort of Bajoran religious machinery. Not not religion itself, but like the you know, the we've got a lot of things with Vedics and and, and, and Kai's coming up. But I think this one moved moved the onus onto onto that side of things. Yes. And the problem I I don't know if they realize this you know, when they realize this, but the problem with Kai Opaka is that um, she is what she seems to be, which is a spiritual leader who's invested in, you know, straightforwardly finding the best and doing the best for her people, um, which is great. Um, And that's what you want in a religious leader. Uh, But when you have a television show that requires conflict, it's maybe less great to have a character who is just kind of doing that. So you get Kai Wynn, who is also interested in trying to do the best for her people, but the road that she takes is much more complicated than Kaiopaka's. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, it doesn't end up well. But no, I mean that's up to not. your interpretation. Do you yeah, like the parades? Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> you know, she's kind of a tragic character, and so that makes it all she the more is. interesting. Because um, yeah. she's, you know, she is ultimately she is misguided in that she's she's trying to do the best, but I think she has intentions she intends well but uh ends up doing very bad things um for uh many many reasons um but yes i think that so the purpose of this episode i i imagine at some point they either from the very beginning or early in the first season realized we need to do something about this uh character um and then they figure well we'll stick her on this planet of eternal death and see what happens (laughs) Yeah, not that she's a bad character. I no, no. Think, I think she's too much of a good character mm-hmm. for the show to find traction with. Yes. If that makes sense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like a, like a... Uh, I'm trying to remember my D&D charts here. Like a, like a lawful good character. She is a lawful is like, good cleric. Right. You, sure, yeah. It's not a lot you can do there to, to mix up the plot, Right. Uh, you need to make your main guy, and, and I say guy because uh, Cisco's the guy. Uh, you need to make him go against her, and you know that sucks. Like lawful good versus neutral good mm-hmm. is not. Who cares? There's, there's very little, very little tension there. You know, random demon monkey of, <laughs> <laughs> that, that we get. Is self-serving demon monkey is like a much 
better uh, riff that we get. Also played by an incredible actress whose oh. name I'm going to forget. Uh, I don't remember her name. Uh, what is her name? But yes, I mean, she Kai, played Nurse Ratchet. And, yeah, she's amazing. Kai yeah. Wynn is one of the best characters in Deep Space Nine. I just uh, kill her. Yeah, amazing. I, man, I wish I could remember the, the actress's name. Uh, but yeah, no, that that is the kind of thing where you want to go, right? Like you want Cisco torn between two worlds. And to, in order to have him torn between two worlds, you need uh, Starfleet to be Starfleet as we know it and to be honorable, mostly, and good. <laughs> Yes. Mostly. When they're not screwing up, right? When Jean Luc when Jean Luc <laughs> isn't being the right actor, you know, they're they're mostly good. Mm-hmm. Uh and you need um the religious side of Bejor to be pulling him in the other direction, which is also not bad. But it needs to be in opposition to the two things. That's the whole premise of the show. We want to bring Bejor into the Federation. How do we do that. You go build a bridge. Like, literally, on my spaceship. You go build a bridge. Turns out bridges are great military targets, and that that hurts. Uh, ultimately, I like this episode. Not... It's not great. It's... <laughs> I feel like every time I've been on you, I've won. Like, every time we roll a dice, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I'll do that. Even with episodes that uh, I think we did the baseball episode of DS9. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I know so, because I remember it. Uh, I Yes, we did. I really, yeah, I really liked that episode. Uh, is, it an, is it a great episode of Star Trek? Probably not. Is it something I love watching? 100%. That's awesome. Uh, this one feels a little bit more like, okay, we, we've got to, you know, till this field. We've got to drag the tractor across it and sort of make some stuff happen. Whatever. No, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and I've got a, a, a Kai Win update. She was played by Lois Fletcher. Lois Fletcher. That's it. And here's a fun fact. Uh, so I, I think of her as uh, a pivotal character in Deep Space Nine and someone who appears in, you know, how many episodes do you think uh, uh, Kai Win was in? You know, you don't do these to the your other guests. I'm, I'm taking it as a sign of love. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say a little over 100. Now, you see, I would agree with you there. That's what it feels like. Now, according to this random page that I'm looking at that's on StarTrek.com, so I assume it is accurate, uh, she was in 14 episodes. <laughs> what? That's what I'm saying. Now, I don't know if that's what? true. But that you seems... know what? You need to be Louise Fletcher to have that much an impact in 14 episodes? Are you kidding me? That is amazing. 14 out of 179. Oh, there's 179. Yes. Okay, I would have I would have said 50. Like I, yeah, I was yeah, trying to half it. But like, yeah. Way off. Uh amazing. Like her impact is incredible, and I'm glad that they s- switched to her. Not that, you know, I, I don't like nope. this guy like Kyle good job. is very nice did, did a very good job <laughs> uh, but there's an animosity that needs to be built there exactly well I I don't know I, I like this episode of Star Trek because it meant that I got to talk to you guys so thank you so much for <laughs> joining me yeah speaking of building animosity 